we're starting a new series this morning, and uh, it may be up there already. Nope, not yet. So here it is. It's called God and Money. Now, I know you guys are all like, oh, I was thinking there would be a better series for me. And, you know, we do finance series. It often kind of feels like going to the dentist, right? It's a little bit like, please, no, uh, let me put that off a little bit longer. But the truth of the matter is, just like with the dentist, you got to deal with this stuff in your heart. Otherwise, it becomes a problem later on, right? Um, I actually uh, went to the dentist for the first time in, like, it's embarrassing long. It was years. Let's just put it that way. It was years. And hadn't had any teeth problems, but just kind of felt like the Lord was saying you should go. So I went to this dentist and um, had, like, the smallest amount of decay that they were fixing. And he said, you know, uh, he was like, I'm glad you came now because if you waited and this became a bigger problem, it would be a whole lot more issue, right? And there's something about with our finances that we don't want to pause and look at it. We don't, I can guarantee most of you guys are like, please, Rachel, don't do this to me. Um, but last fall, when we were praying about 2020, we were seeking the Lord about this 2020 year of vision and abundance and all that kind of stuff we've been talking about. Um, the finance thing kept coming back. God just kept hammering it. This is an important thing for us as a people. So that's why we're doing it. So for the foreseeable future, not forever, but uh, for a while, we're going to be camped in this God and Money series. So buckle up. And that's okay. If you feel uncomfortable, I just want you to know, we get it. It's a little uncomfortable to be preaching these messages too. But I'm doing it because I believe it's for your good. So, um, okay, so I want to show you guys. I have a picture to show you. You can put the Grace One picture up. And um, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the filter that we have in relationship to God in our lives. And I have this beautiful picture of my little three-year-old princess. And uh, this was one of the first times she'd ever put on a dress-up dress. And she was so excited about it. Since then, she lives in them. Um, and, you know, and I know that this picture doesn't look amazing. The filter on it's kind of funny, but I could put it on Facebook and get some likes, right? Like, it's cute. You guys are moved a little bit in your heart. Oh, she's adorable. And the thing about this picture is that I know what was happening in the room when I took it. Grace knows what was happening in the room when I took it. But the filter on my phone was causing a specific picture, right? So I want to show you the other picture. You can go to the second one. So this is what was happening in the room. And as I was praying about uh, just what, how to start this finance series, I felt like the Lord was saying that what we have to focus on first is making sure our picture of God is truly accurate. So just like I could show you that first picture where everything is blacked out, yes, grace is there, yes, the camera is there, right? There's things we know, but there's a lot we don't know. And I'm not saying this picture is going to win any awards or anything like that. That's not why I show it to you. Just to say that what we view about God really does affect how we actually think about finances. Our picture of who God is affects everything. You can take that down. Our filter is really important. Uh, Dallas Willard, one of my favorite theologians and philosophers, he says it like this. All human troubles come from thinking of God wrongly. It's interesting. Let me repeat that for you. All human troubles come from thinking of God wrongly. If I'm thinking, if, if the picture of grace is my view of God, then there's only one aspect that I'm seeing, right? There's a lot more in that picture that's been blacked out because my perception isn't keyed in in the right way. It's important for us to start with that and take a look at it. Um, okay, on our Vision Sunday in January, which feels like a lifetime ago, <laughs> Uh, we, we had this book for sale for cheap. I know a lot of you guys have been reading it. I want to encourage you, if you haven't read this book yet, please get it. This is Jim Baker with 1K, completely different. You can see on the back, completely unrelated to the Jim Baker of the uh, TBN days back in the day. Um, but I want to read to you a quote from this book because he says it so much more succinctly and better than I can. And this is what it says. Some people don't recognize this, but your impression of who God is determines how you receive from him. 
2 Peter 1.2 says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Many people try to get grace and peace multiplied into their life through prayer or hands laid on them. But the way that grace and peace is multiplied to you is through the knowledge of God. 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. These verses, this verse says that God's divine power has past tense given to us all things. Many are praying and asking God to send down his power from the outside, hoping for a spiritual bolt of lightning to hit them, and then bam, they're healed, delivered, prospered, and whatever they need. However, excuse me, but wrong, uh, I lost my place. All right, however, this verse says that the all things pertaining to life and godliness come through the knowledge of God. This includes healing, prosperity, deliverance, joy, peace, favor, and anything else. Wrong knowledge will produce wrong results. If you aren't getting the results you desire, I can guarantee the root of that is some misconception or misunderstanding of God of how he deals with us. It's getting good. Instead of looking for prosperity to come externally, the first thing you need to do is recognize that the change begins on the inside of you. This occurs according to the knowledge that you have about God. Regardless of what God is truly like, you are unlikely to experience God any greater than your concept of him. I'm going to read that one more time. Regardless of what God is truly like, you are unlikely to experience God any greater than your concept of him. I know that's a strong statement. God is who he is regardless of what you think. But your experience of God will be based on who you think God is and how he deals with us. Last part. God will, be, God will not be anything to you that you don't first believe him to be. This is the, what the Bible calls faith, which is simply seeing things from God's perspective. So your impression of God will determine what you experience from God. It's thought-provoking, right? It's, it's challenging. It's like this picture in this filter. If I look and say, this is my perception of what's happening in my life, there's all this stuff that's blacked out. And so my understanding of who God is can be totally off, and therefore I'm not able to apply my faith accurately. Our beliefs and our thoughts affect our finances. All right, so turn to your neighbor and say, our beliefs... And our thoughts, you might have to shout it, uh, affect our finances. So Matthew 6, 21, I got this in the ESV for you. And this is what it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You guys familiar with this scripture? Jesus said this. The Passion Translation, I really like the way it says this. For where your heart, excuse me, for your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying what's in your heart is going to be amplified by what's in your wallet. So I want you to think about it like this. Money in itself has no inherent morality. It's not good or bad. Like, like a dollar bill, if I put a dollar bill right here, it's not good or bad. It just is. It's paper. But when you apply it to a human, when you put it in the hands of a human, then it amplifies the state of that person's heart. Think about it like this. Lottery winners, okay? Okay. I'm not going to make you raise your hand if you like to play the lottery. That's, you know, that's your thing. But the statistics say the bulk, if not 90, I think maybe 95% of lottery winners are broke within five years. Wait, what? 
So we have this idea that if I just get this windfall, all my life will be taken, take, excuse me, taken care of, everything will be good, I'll be good to go. But the thing is, when you get a windfall, all it does, it doesn't make you evil, it doesn't make you a bad person, it exposes and amplifies what's already inside of you. This is what Jesus is saying. So we gotta make sure what's inside of us is, is seeing who God is clearly, is walking in what he wants us to walk in. I, I don't have this scripture for you, but you can write it down if you're taking notes. Luke chapter six, verse 11. And Jesus makes this piercing statement, and this is what he says. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth or in money with money, who will entrust to you the truest riches? What is he saying? If you can't steward what's in your wallet, then you can't steward the bigger things of the kingdom. This is something that makes us uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable when I, when I read this scripture. But the reality of what Jesus is saying is, like Jim Baker likes to say in this book, uh, that, that money is the spiritual, it's kindergarten. It's the kindergarten of the spiritual life. In other words, God has given you money and, and the resource of the economy to give you permission and, and testing and training to uh, learn how to steward something so that you can go on to steward the truest riches. What are those? That's prosperity of your soul, joy, having healthy relationships, having an unencumbered relationship with God, right? That's the end goal. But one of the ways God gets us there is by putting money in your hand. Isn't that interesting? But I, I can tell you that for most of us, we don't actually think about it like that. I, I heard it said recently, um, I heard a really interesting teaching by one of my heroes, Graham Cook, and he was talking about how he believes there's only three essential callings of any believer, or three levels of calling might be a better way to say it. And the first one is a servant, that everybody who comes into the kingdom, when you say yes to Jesus, you become a servant of Jesus. So everybody in here, we're all servants of him, Amen. But then as we serve him and we want to give more of ourselves to him, then we become a steward. And a steward is, the definition of a steward is someone who is assigned to manage or look after someone else's property. When we become a steward, we begin to recognize my life is not my own. My relationships aren't my own. My finances aren't my own. My time is not my own. Lord, you've given this to me to steward on your behalf. The third calling for those of you guys that are interested is a bond slave. And that's the complete surrender of everything in your life. Paul, you know, he always introduced himself first as a bond slave to Jesus before he talks about his assignment as an apostle. And I think this concept of a steward is what God really wants for us in this season to grasp. And so um, what I want you to see is, is the big idea here, and I'm going to put this on here, is that your money doesn't belong to you. It's been entrusted to you. It's been given to you to manage on his behalf. So if you hear nothing else I'm going to say this morning, hear this. This is going to be a big theme of our series because the thing is we forget. We get a stimulus check and all of a sudden it's like, what do I want to do with this? And no shame if that's what your first thought was. That's okay. But when we're being a steward, we begin to see that everything that comes to us, God wants to do something with. So Bill Johnson puts it this way. Everything in your hand is either bread or seed. I love this mentality. If it's bread, it's what we eat. It's provision for ourselves. If it's seed, it's what we sow into the lives of others. We give away, we invest, we do other things with it. It's not for us. Every dollar that comes to you is one or the two. Every paycheck. You might not have thought about it like that, but that's how the kingdom works. So our goal today is to begin to understand who is God and how does that affect my ability to be his steward. We need a right view of God so that we can live our lives the way he wants us to. If we don't understand who he is, then we won't be able to apply our faith in the right ways. 
think about it like this. And in the interest of time, I'm not going to put this um, on the screen and I don't have, you know, we're not going to read the whole thing. But are you guys familiar with the parable of the talents? If you're not, make a note. It's Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. And I want you to read this if you've never read this story before. But basically, Jesus is using this parable to talk about money. And he talks about this master who gives talents. He gives one to this guy, two to this guy, five to this guy, right? And then he goes on a trip. And his intention is that they would use that money as a steward of who the master is. They would go out and do something with it. They would take a risk with it. And so the guy with two and five, they do that, and they actually multiply their, their resources. And then the guy with one, what does he do? You guys remember this? He buries it. He's like, mm. I don't know. We don't get to know his backstory. Maybe he was afraid of failure. Legitimate. Maybe he was afraid that he'd get in trouble if he made a decision that the master didn't want him to make, and so he was living under that. Who knows what his thought was, but it wasn't in line with an accurate picture of the master. How do we know? Because the master comes back, and he's like looking at, you know, what did you do with my resources? And he goes, I buried it because I knew you to be a hard man. Well, it's interesting. The other two people didn't know the master to be a hard man. They knew him to be an opportunist. They knew him to be somebody who wanted his resources to be multiplied. The perception of the people who were given something, who were entrusted something to, absolutely determined the outcome. Are you guys catching this? So for us, when we come before the Lord and we say, God, I want a year of abundance, what I'm not saying is, Lord, I want so much money in my bank account, I don't have to budget anymore. That's not the goal. The goal is being able to say, God, I want to have so much abundance that I'm indifferent towards what's in my bank account because I recognize you've entrusted it to me. It's not solely mine. It's a shift. It's, it's a practice. It's something you have to really think about. If we're going to steward his resources well, then we need an accurate understanding of him. Amen? we got to have the full picture of who God is. So how do we do that? I'm, I'm going to talk about some things you guys may already be familiar with, but I want us to look at if you're saying, all right, I want to become a steward. All right, Rachel, I get it. A big idea. It's in me. I need to steward God's resources, but I, I don't know exactly what God wants from me in this. Let's look at who God is, Okay. God the Father sent Jesus the Son to be the exact representation of him. So if you're curious about what God is like, look at Jesus. That's not an oversimplification. That's just the fact, right? So let's look at some uh, scripture. I'm not going to put them on the screen, but Matthew 11, 27, if you're taking notes. John 5, 19 through 36. John 17, 2 through 26. All of these scriptures, they talk about Jesus saying, I am the exact representation of the Father. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard what I've been saying, you've, this is what we need to do. If you've never done this before, read the Gospels. This is like your challenge for the week. Read the Gospels and do it like this. Imagine yourself on the other side of Jesus, and what would it feel like to have God interact with you like Jesus did? It's a really powerful thing when he's interacting with his disciples, when he's interacting with the people he's ministering to. We get to see God's heart on full display. So there's no excuse for us to not know who he is. Now, I want to say something, and at the risk of sounding heretical or um, way off, you know, give me some grace to explain this before you judge me and burn me at the stake. So um, Jesus came not to diminish the role of the Father in our lives. It gets kind of tricky in Christian world because God the Father gave Jesus the name above all names, right? So he, Jesus is now what we refer to when we think about God. But just because he gave him the highest name doesn't mean he gave him his place, okay? 
So the father in your life is extremely, it's an extremely important relationship. The same could be said for the Holy Spirit, but that's a sermon for another time, right? So we have to understand, Jesus, I need a relationship with you. Let, let me put it this way. The Holy Spirit, one of his jobs, he has many jobs. One of them is to reveal Jesus to you, okay? That's one of his jobs. Scripture tells us that. So then he reveals Jesus to you, and then what does Jesus do? Jesus reveals the Father. Going back to what Dallas Willard said, all human troubles come from thinking of God wrongly. I can say with, with so much confidence in my heart, any trouble you have in your life can be addressed by being ministered to by the Father. We often don't do that. It's uncomfortable. It feels weird sometimes, especially if you have a relationship with your earthly dad that's not great. Sometimes we can accidentally project who our earthly dads are onto God. But the thing is that God the Father is the one who is, he's the top. He is Yahweh. He is God among gods. He is the highest, right? Every name you can think of, it's ascribed to him. And in his wonder and his glory, he gave Jesus that name, but that doesn't mean he's no longer involved. So when we think about being a steward, and in my opinion, we've got to think about how we are stewarding your father's resources. I love this, this quote that nobody provides better than dad. If we don't understand who the father is in our relationship, we're going to have a really hard time stewarding. So if, you're, if that's hitting on you, what I want you to do is spend some time in the Gospels and looking at the picture of Jesus and understanding that's the picture of the Father for you. He's not discriminatory. He's not going to say, well, I don't like you as much as this one, so you only get part of me. No, 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 man. I'm telling you, if you have not been ministered to by your Father in heaven, you are missing out. That's all I'm going to say with that. How do you get that? Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask Jesus. I want an encounter with the Father, and he loves to do that. All right, so what do you, how is God like? He's Jesus. That's what he's like. Second thing, God is generous. He's generous. So Luke 16, the, or Luke 15, excuse me, the prodigal son story, right? So the guy comes home. Can you imagine if, this, if you're that dad or you're that mom and your kid has abandoned you and stolen all your inheritance? And it's like, I don't think that joy is the first response. I mean, there's going to be hurt in your heart a little bit, right? He's like, no, no, no. He's, he's showing, Jesus is telling us this story to show us how generous the father is. I'm going to throw you a party. You don't even have to apologize. Like, what? He's not withholding his resources. He's giving them generously. Um, another one, God gives freely, Matthew 10. Freely you've, been given, freely you've received, freely give. He gives freely. Listen, a lot of people have dads who like to give with strings attached. Don't raise your hand. Okay, but you know if you have a dad like that or, or a mom like that. It's, it's like kind of human nature. I'm going to give something to you, but I actually expect something back in return, right? I might not say it to you, but I'm thinking it in my heart. I just gave you this, and I want you to repay that, or I want you to, you know, give me something back. God gives with zero strings attached. This is one of the things we have to get into our minds when we begin to think about finances and stewardship. Because sometimes we feel like, well, if I spend my money like this, Lord, are you going to tell me I have to do this? If you feel in your heart like you can get something new for yourself, get a new car, whatever, is there some sort of sense of shame that you also have to give away a big portion of money to make up for it? That's not God's heart. He gives with zero strings attached. Thank you, Lord. Here's another one. Um, God is, you got to track with me on this, okay. God is outside of the government of time and space. God is outside of the government. What does it mean, Rachel? What are you talking about, the government of time? Listen, time was given to be our tool, not to be our master. Ooh, getting kind of weird and abstract, okay? I'm going to save that for maybe another time you can ask me separately, and we can get real abstract with this. But God created the system of time from the outside. 
okay? So we allow time to govern us. We allow us to feel late for things, to be on time for things, to say, well, there's only this much time in a day. And all that's true by natural laws. I get that, okay? But when we think about God, God is not subject to time and space like we are. We can only be in one place at one time. That's not true for God, right? He's omniscient and omnipresent. What does that mean? He's everywhere and he knows everything. So when we think about God as our provider, we have to step out of the mentality of time and space so that we can let our minds be bigger of how he wants to provide. What do I mean by that? They're going to the temple and Peter's like, uh, Jesus, we don't have money to get inside. Did you guys know back in the day to get inside the temple where God was, you had to pay an entrance fee? You're welcome. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't that be so weird if it's like you can't come in? Uh, in some of the synagogues that I know, actually, and some family members of mine, they send you a bill. They know what your job is. They know your general income, and they send you a bill. If you're going to come worship with us, here's what it costs. That's how God created it way back in the day, but it's not like that anymore. Thank you, Lord. So they're going, Peter's going, we're not going to get in. We don't have the money. What does Jesus tell him to do? Go fishing, pulls up a fish. Inside of the fish's mouth is all the money they need to get inside. How do we expect provision like that when we're expecting God to work in the constructs of time and space? Here's another example. Elijah, the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament. You can read about him. His stories are crazy. He understood this about God. The way that God provided for him was nuts. I mean, we would think this guy was off his rocker if he told us these stories in real life. What happens? He takes a nap. He's been walking, running for a long time. He takes a nap. He wakes up, and angels are creating food for him. Not out of the, of the groceries that he brought with him. They somehow brought, I don't know, we don't know what it was, but they like brought mysterious food, and he wakes up, and there's angels preparing for him. That was his provision that day. Another time, ravens, birds, like, I would be like, ah, you know, but they come in, and they deliver him food, and I'm just telling you, it wasn't worms. It was actual food for him. Another time, I mean, he, he, the stories are crazy. Why? Because God exists outside of time and space. So when we approach him as our father and we say, Lord, I want to steward your resources, he is able to do things beyond what we can understand. If we're only looking at him saying, God, I have this much due on this bill, real life right now, right? God, I'm behind on this. How, there's no way you can make this work in my life because I have a fixed income, because I have da 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 And the Lord's going, well, as long as you don't think I can, you're not going to be open to receive what I want to give. He exists outside of the time and space. Here's another one. We're getting real nerdy here, but it's all right. Money to God is nothing but a tool. I should think about this. To God, money is nothing but a tool. He does not need money. So a few years ago, I was watching uh, this sci-fi show. Okay, sue me, whatever. So um, I like sci-fi. Grant doesn't, so I watched this without him. So I was watching this, and if you guys are Star Trek fans, it wasn't a Star Trek show, but you guys know that matter synthesizer thing they all have on the side of their cabin? Some of you guys are like, you know, you're just not going to admit it right now. It's fine. So, um, so they go up, and they're like, I want a cheeseburger, and a cheeseburger appears. It's like a matter synthesizer. I don't know if that's what it's called, but for our purposes today. So in this show, it was taking place like 500 years in the future, and everybody had these synthesizers, and they were talking about American culture. It was so fascinating. And he goes, yeah, back in the day, Americans, they used to do this, this thing called money, and everybody in the room goes, what is money? What is that? And he says, well, it had this value, and you would trade it for goods and services, and that's how the world run. And they're like, what? And they're mind blown by this. And he said, how, how could that be? He said, yeah, because they didn't have the ability to create anything they needed, so they had to use money. 
And I had this Holy Spirit moment, because the Holy Spirit likes sci-fi shows, in case you're wondering. Um, I had this moment with the Holy Spirit, and I was like, God, what would it be like to be that indifferent towards what's in my bank account? What would it be like to live in a way that, I'm, that that doesn't really matter? In in one hand, from a natural perspective, we'd say, well, when you reach a certain income threshold, I was talking to somebody who's really, really wealthy, and, and I was um, doing a pitch to, to get $500 for this thing, and, um, and I said, you know, I know it's a lot of money, and this person said to me, hold on, um, $500 to me is probably like 50 bucks to you. Like, it's substantial, but it's, I'm not going to miss it. And I left that conversation thinking, Lord, someday I want to be at a place where I just wouldn't miss 500 bucks, right? What would that be like to live in that way? And I'm telling you, we can live that way because we're made in the image of God, whether we have that much resource to give away or not. Here's another example. A few months ago, I was um, praying over our, we, we pray over our finances a couple times a year, just making sure we're in the right place with God, in the right place in our heart as well. And so I was doing that. I was praying over my finances, and I was asking the Lord to speak into some things that he was telling me. And he took me into this, this vision. And I, I'm not going to, like, die on the soapbox of saying this is exactly what it was. I'm going to tell you what it spoke to me, and you can, you know, process it how you want. In this picture that God showed me, Jesus was walking through what would be like, like a treasure chest in heaven. It was a room probably like this size, and it was just floor-to-ceiling gold coins, like Scrooge McDuck style. Anybody watch DuckTales, you know? And, and it was like Jesus was walking through, and he was ruffling his fingers through the coins like this, having a conversation with me. And I was just really not sure what to think. I'm like, why are you showing me this, Lord? This doesn't make any sense. And the Holy Spirit said, look at his face. I said, okay. And I don't know if I can perfectly emulate it, but Jesus was ruffling his fingers and there was no expression on his face. Not sadness, not burden, not joy. It just, he just was. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and he said, Rachel, because money is nothing but a tool to us, it doesn't birth joy or sadness or anything like it does in most people. And he said, I want you to get to a place where you see it like that, where normally any of us would walk into a room this size and be like, oh, wow, I just hit the mother load, right? And there would be some sort of response. But to God, money doesn't have, it's not valuable like that to him. It's just a tool. It would be like walking through a giant cornfield, touching corn husks, right? Because like you just, it's a whole different thing. Why do I tell you this? Because if we're going to understand how to steward his resources, then we can't equate value to the money. We can't be like, I will be a more special or valuable or loved person if there's more in my wallet. And the same, is not, is, the same thing is true on the other side, that we're not less special, less valuable, less cared for when there's less in our wallet. You guys understanding me? When we remove the, the emotional attachment, we can steward that much better. It doesn't matter... Um, there was a season in our life a couple years ago when we finally weren't living, zeroing out our paycheck to paycheck, and it was a liberating feeling. And I felt like God had said, I want you to save X amount of money uh, by the end of this year. I was like, okay, that seems like a good challenge. So there was a lot of stuff that I didn't get, I didn't do because I wanted to, but it didn't fit the goal that he had said, right? It's his money. By the end of the year, I had saved pretty much exactly what he had asked me to. And uh, the following month, that was December, January rolls around and God said, that's great, now give it all away. And I was like, that was like a whole year of like saying no to myself, Lord, what? And the, what he was doing was teaching us to be open-handed with his resources. And the thing is that I'm going to be honest with you because of the journey that I was on, it took me a little while to have a happy heart to do that. It, it wasn't at that time like, okay, great. 
you know? I heard a story about a millionaire who'd been a millionaire multiple times, and God had asked him to give everything away two times, and he had replenished it. God had replenished it. And this person was interviewing him and said, um, you know, are you worried that God's going to ask you to do it again? He goes, no, I would be honored. He said, because watching God work with me to, to build new income has been the most thrilling experience of my life. I'd gladly give it all away tomorrow. These are, are a different mindset, right? It's a different thing than what we're told to live as Americans. But I believe this is the kingdom. Two more for you. God really, really cares about you. God actually cares about what you eat. He cares about what you drink. He cares about what you wear. How do I know this? Matthew 6, 25. Jesus, out of Jesus' mouth. He said, don't worry about those things. I'm going to take care of you. I think as believers, we get off because get off track because we think God is saying, I'm going to always take care of you in the same way. Like, it's always going to be filet mignon, baby. You never have to worry about what you eat. And then you get to a point where you're like, all I can afford is the dollar whopper at Burger King, Lord. What do I do? Where's my provision? What the heck? And the Lord's going, I never promised you this all the time. I just promised you there would be something for you. I think when we liberate ourselves from that, it's so amazing. Paul says this in Philippians 4. He says, I've learned the secret of having plenty and having not enough, or having want is how he words it. And I love that because if we are going to be good stewards, we have to understand he will always provide, but the provision is going to look different in different seasons. And the, the, the truth in this is that you're not lacking when the provision looks different because he's doing something in your spirit. And if you're paying attention to him, you can actually be in a harvest time in a season of metaphorically lack. That brings us to the last point. And this one, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say this. To God, it's always harvest time. It is always harvest time in the kingdom of God. This is our second big thing. If you're hearing nothing from today, you're hearing that you're called to be a steward, that everything in your hand has actually been entrusted to you to, to manage on his behalf. And the second thing is that it's always harvest time in the kingdom of God. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8, we're going to look at this. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. They get really good here. And does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. Catch this last verse. And it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. This is not a picture of a natural tree. Amen? Natural trees. Y'all know I don't know much about horticulture, but I do know this. They don't yield fruit every day when it's not harvest time. Fact check me, but I'm pretty sure that's true, right? Own, there's seasons for harvest and there's seasons for other times of a tree's life. But in the kingdom, God creates it where you are connected to his source and you are always bearing fruit. It does not specify you're always bearing the same fruit, but it specifies you're always bearing fruit. Jesus puts it like this in John chapter 4, 35. This is in the ESV. He says, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Yes, he was speaking to something that was happening in that moment, but I believe this is a financial principle as well. It is always harvest time in the kingdom of God. But when we step out of that time and space perspective, then we're not married to what we think the harvest is supposed to be. You guys tracking with me? All right, so how does all of this affect our wallets? 
I'm going to say this again. Money is the kindergarten of the spiritual life. This is in this Jim Baker book. Money is the kindergarten. So how does it affect our wallets? We have to get comfortable with using uh, a stewardship mentality as we approach God and our finances. So you need to ask yourself, if you're living from this understanding, all the things I just talked about. you gotta, you got to do a little heart check. This is when the drill at the dentist comes out, you know, and you're like, okay, okay, I can get through this, right? Or the syringe comes out with the gun. You know, you're like, you guys are probably traumatized now with me even bringing that up. But this is where you got to start asking yourself, am I actually living from this place? You, need to, you may think and believe these things, but you got to look at the fruit that's in your life. Let, let me just get really honest here for a second, and I want to buckle up because there is no shame and there's no condemnation, but I do feel like we got to kind of address some of this stuff. Worry, stress, anxiety, doubt, hoarding, hoarding resources, and fear, these are not fruits of somebody who's walking in these revelations of who God is. Is there time that worry happens spontaneously? Sure, that's, you know, semi-normal. But what you do with that worry absolutely determines how you're living from this revelation of who God is. There's no shame, again. There's no, I'm not, you know, I'm not wanting anybody to feel like you're doing something wrong. What I'm wanting you to feel is the conviction of the Holy Spirit to liberate you, to empower you to do something different, to believe something different. Luke 6, 11, I'm going to go back to this that we said at the beginning. If you've not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with the truest riches? What Jesus wants is for you to be faithful so that you can move to the next place in the kingdom. But as long as we are not wanting to embrace what it looks like to be a steward, we, get to, we have to stay at the kindergarten level. Because even though we might not feel like it's connected to God, it's connected. That's what Luke 6, 11 is saying. So what do you do? We've got to ask God, first of all, Lord, are these any of these things, worry, stress, anxiety, doubt, fear, hoarding, am I doing any of these things? And if God's like, if, you, if something's touching on you, here's what you do. You ask the Holy Spirit to bring you into an encounter with the goodness of God. Ask Jesus, would, could I have an encounter with the Father? Blow me away with your goodness, God. That's a prayer he is anxious and willing and ready to answer. Because when you come to that place with him, it's the most liberating thing ever. The second question you got to ask is, how is God asking you to steward his vision for your life? I didn't say your vision. <laughs> his vision. How is he asking you to steward his vision for your life? I think this has been one of the most challenging things for Grant and I because we have some different prophetic words about things we're supposed to do. And most likely those things are a long way in the future, but it takes cooperation with God now to get to that point. And there are days when I'm just like, oh, Lord, I'm over it, right? You know, that's not what I want for my life. But we have to come back to this place of saying, but if I want to get to heaven and get that well done and good and faithful servant, if I want to be able to give him treasures and riches of the inheritance of my life when I get to stand before him, I have to be cooperating and paying attention to the now. So I love the definition of prosperity that's in this book. I love this. It's having the right resources to fulfill the calling, the assignment that's on your life. If you're called to, you know, influence an entire city, the resources in your account probably are going to be a little different than someone else's calling that might be to be a teacher or to, you know, uh, raise up children in the home that are, are whole and healthy, which is a, a massive calling, massive assignment. And so we can't equate God's love to how much is in our bank account because it's, it's supposed to be directly proportionate to the assignment that's on your life. Does that make sense? So if you want a different assignment, that's a whole other uh, message. Grant can preach that one. Um, 
But the thing is that when we're honest about that, then we have to say, all right, God, so I, I know at least somewhat of the calling that's on my life. How am I stewarding the resources? So no matter your calling or your economic status, God has promised to provide whatever you need to fulfill what he's asking of you. That should be an empowering thing to us. This should be a liberating thing to us, right? God, you are, are able and willing and ready to provide whatever is needed for me to fulfill what you've put on my life. But we have to cooperate with him, amen? So um, I'm going to wrap this up, and I really just want to, um, honestly, I want to kind of announce a couple of blessings onto you, if that's okay. Uh, and, and here's what I felt like the Lord wanted us to do to end. We're going to take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit to deal with anything that needs to be done, to dismantle any lies that we're believing about who God is. Whatever he wants to do, he's God. He'll take care of that. But here's the thing. When our heart is willing and wanting God to move in us, he will. So if you're going, I don't know how to get to that place, it's okay. He is guiding you. He is leading you. All you have to do is say, yes, I give you permission, and he does the rest. Amen? So we're going to take just a second, just in, in, in a quiet moment of reflection. Holy Spirit, what is something that you want us to catch this morning? And if there's something that you need to repent for, go ahead and do that. Lord, what's the thing that's on your heart for me today regarding becoming a steward? And Lord, we just give you permission. We give you permission to mold us and shape us, to help us. For any person that's looking at their bank account this week and, and feeling a sense of despair, Lord, I just ask that you would release a, a, a new surge of hope in them. Lord, we ask for provision that confounds, that's outside of the realm of time and space. Lord, we, we just invite your provision into our life. I'm asking, Lord, for supernatural uh, catching up for those that are behind that there would be a catching up that comes, a, a rapid multiplication of the normal finances and external income or something like that, Lord. We're just asking that you would help everybody who's behind to catch up right now. And Lord, I pray that we would be the kind of people who hear you clearly, who sense your leadership clearly regarding our finances. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I want to bless you with, with a couple of things, and, and I feel like this is what God wants to bless you with. I'm just going to be his mouthpiece for the moment, but you are his steward. God looks at you and he says, I bless you to be a good steward of the resources I've put in your hand. God says, I want you to prosper in every area of your life. There is no room to say, well, maybe that's not for me, because God is saying to you, it is for you prosperity in your soul, in your relationships, in your mental health, in your bank account, in, in your job, in every area of your life is what God has for you. And the last one is I, I bless you to be a people who understand it's always harvest time in the kingdom. That all you have to do is look up, look at what Jesus is saying to do for your life and there will be a harvest of something there for you. 
There will be a harvest of resource, of ideas, of creativity, of peace, of joy, of whatever you need in that season. I bless you for that in Jesus' name. Guys, I, I, I'm really, really thankful for you. Um, I'm really honored to be among you and the way you guys pursue the Lord and say yes to him. I really believe there's something interesting and, and creative God wants to do in all of our finances. And so we are going to spend the next couple of weeks kind of diving in. We're going to talk about all these different topics related to finances. And I hope that you make it a point to catch every one of these messages, whether it's in person or online, because I think there's something God wants to deposit in us as a body that's really important for who we are. And so I'm just kind of asking you to, to make that a priority somehow, whether you catch it on the podcast or however, make it a priority each week to track with us because there's something God wants to do in this in us. Amen. All right, thank you guys for being here. We love you. If you need prayer for anything, come grab us. We'd love to pray for you. Otherwise, we'll see you next week.